is time now for History Matters. We are joined in the studio by the one, the only historian extraordinaire, dapperly dressed, bringer of <laughs> dozens of sheets of paper, Scott Washington, <laughs> taking a look back at this week in history. Good morning. How are you? You know, thank you, Aaron. And you know, it's every time I think, well, well there's not, there's couldn't be anything happening this week, and of course, there always is yeah. something unusual, including the coinage of the word dapperly, which I don't think anyone has ever said before. <laughs> well, I hope that it's noted somewhere in Wikipedia. Or now it exists. Else. Dapperly, yeah. yes, you're exactly. welcome, America. Well, because it's cold, so you get to put on more clothes, and there I think go. that's yeah. a good good option. Um, today is uh, this week in history has a really interesting. Uh, notation. And of course, you know, voting has been going on, early voting continues, and of course the election uh, next Tuesday. Um, but there's something that happens on November 5th, 1872 that is noteworthy because of who did it and what occurred. Um, she was 52 at the time in 1872, and she voted for president in the election uh, for Ulysses S. Grant. She was fined $100 because, of course, she was a woman and there was no right to vote. So we talk about importance of many things, but the ability to vote becomes so important uh, for so many people who've been disenfranchised, like women were until 1920. And in 1970 and 1878, if there's something good that comes out, and you, you'll be glad to know that Susan B. Anthony never paid a dollar of that fine. She okay. said, never, I will never pay it. Um, but she specifically voted for Grant, though. Is that? Yes. Did you say she that? All right. Specifically voted because that for Grant. was the year. Wasn't that the year that Victoria Woodhull ran, ran on a on a third party ticket? You as know a, this better than I. So with Frederick Douglass as the running that's mate, right. wasn't yes, that that year? Right. Like yes. that was a really super progressive ticket. That's right. But Susan B. Anthony's like, I'm not throwing my <laughs> my <laughs> currently illegal vote away on a third party <laughs> candidate. She wanted to move the needle, and she does. In 1878, in fact, um, she works with a congressman in, uh, from California and introduces an amendment to give women the right to vote. Now, of course, it takes till to 1920 for the 19th Amendment, but informally, during that time, between those years, it becomes known as the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. Now, we know it as the 19th Amendment today, but 100 years after she was born, 1820, 1920, that 19th Amendment goes into force, uh, giving women the right to vote. So you always, it makes you wonder, like, okay, not only does she defy the law, but moves the needle so that it actually allows women the right to vote eventually. She dies before that happens, 1906, so she doesn't see that amendment go into effect. Yeah. But, but um, she sees individual states yes. passing their own laws, giving women that's the right. right. To vote, and I so. think that's so important to you know to think about is saying this is really an important right that not only uh, not all the people in the world have, but we have, and it's good to exercise and be informed. And uh, thankfully, WCHL is a great station <laughs> to learn about issues and candidates. And I'm grateful for what uh, this station represents and does all the time. Now, there's another thing that comes up kind of in voting. Uh, we have to turn back the, the clock, 1765, and uh, Great Britain has 3,000 miles away, six weeks to travel one way to the American colonies, has decided that um, the colonies really need to pay for all these British troops that were here left over 
uh, from uh, the uh, the 1750s, that that uh, that French um, Indian War, and uh, so they impose a stamp tax on all paper goods. And there is outrage across the colonies. Again, the taxation without representation. They have no say-so in this. Um, and it's being seen as the colonies as patronizing. This is a major trading partner. And um, what happens in Wilmington on October 31st, yes, Halloween, because on November 1st, 1765, the Stamp Act was supposed to take effect. People down in Wilmington decide to have fun with this and also protest. And so they actually get a casket. They have an effigy of Lady Liberty, and they march to a cemetery under the 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 theme of Lady Liberty has died in the colonies, mm. except that before they do anything, they check one last time and find that Lady Liberty has a pulse and there's rejoicing and they have a party. So uh, Lady Liberty has not died, but uh, that's, you know, thankfully, it's people protesting, standing up, whether it's um, uh, our friend Susan B. Anthony or the folks in Wilmington. And there is another one that happens uh, as well, um, and it's. While you're while you're getting to that, I'm <laughs> I'm currently reading uh, Eric Foner's book on on the the history of the concept of freedom in America, which is a mm. fascinating book. Like everyone should read it. But he talks about the that Stamp Act uh, protest in Wilmington. Really, that there were other similar protests that happened in yes. other parts of the country but around the Stamp quite Act. As creative. But, <laughs> yeah, but he talks about that specific protest because yeah. that concept of Lady Liberty is kind of carried throughout American history and it has That's meant right. different things at different times and. Yeah, 1765. Well, the Statue of Liberty yep. certainly reflects exactly, this, yeah. this idea of the yep, torch yep. that uh, freedom and that. Well, we're hearing about democracy on mm-hmm. trial in this election. How important is that uh, when we look at uh, things occurring? There's something else that happens. You know, October 29th, uh, 1929, we have, of course, Black Tuesday, the stock market crash, the beginning of what we call the Depression. It's tremendous. Well, in the few days that follow that, uh, Quite just coincidentally, Ripley's Believe It or Not uh, publishes a cartoon, and they would always say, you know, things, believe it or not, and they said, believe it or not, there is no national anthem. The Star Spangled Banner has been used kind of informally, but we don't. Well, there's outrage, and if people can't do anything about the Great Depression, they can do something about this. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the biggest, hey, look over here moment. Like, depression going on, stock market crashing, everyone's losing. That's right. No national anthem. No national Sacrilege, <laughs> outrage, but, to the barricades, flaming pitchforks. But the idea was that we can do something about that, and literally millions of letters are written in to Congress, and so on March... Uh, 30- People suddenly having nothing better to do. <laughs> yes. Well, that was like, well, we can do something about this. <laughs> so, March- now home all day for some reason. <laughs> yes. March 4th, uh, 1931 is when legislation is finally signed by Herbert Hoover and had been voted in by Congress making the national anthem, uh, the Star-Spangled Banner, the national anthem. And March 4th is the date of inauguration, which is so interesting to say, how did this come to be? And it came to be because of basically something that was in the cartoon pages 
Ripley's Believe It or Not, and that got people so incensed after the news of Wall Street crashed to do something different. Mm. I get the fact that, like, not just car, uh, not just a comic strip, but, like, that particular comic strip, Ripley's yes. Believe It or Not, is in so many papers that get read by so many people that it right. actually moves the dial. Like, that is. Well, you know, we could say that I'm sure that if we saw those, we would be saying Ripley's Believe It or Not about so many other things yeah, happening right. these days, which is probably something going to happen. All right, here's... Along that line of about origins, all right, yes, I'm going to kind of move. Uh, uh, this is something we never think about, sandwiches. Okay, sandwiches. Let's have a sandwich. Well, uh, November uh, 3rd is National Sandwich Day. It is named after a fellow who was named Lord Sandwich. He was the Earl of Sandwich, uh, John Montague, uh, 1713 to 1792. And there are a couple of things uh, why it came up. He liked to sit at his desk and eat, and he didn't want to get his papers greasy. There isn't any copying machines, so he ordered something that, like uh, salted pork stuck between two loaves of bread, yeah. and somehow this catches on. Could have ordered salted <laughs> pork with a fork, but, you know, two pieces of bread, sure, that also works. You know, it's like one of those things, like, this is how he will be forever remembered. And it was actually seen earlier on as something you would eat for dinner. This was a mm -hmm. specialty. And because people were eating lighter at dinner, and that's what would make things stretch. Um, oh, speaking with okay. uh, Scott Washington, <laughs> History Matters, uh, we got time for one more. What do you got? Okay. Um, well, I, I suppose on a slightly more serious note, um, uh, there's a woman, Ida Tarbell, born 1857, lives to 1944, who changes... Uh, journalism as we know it. Uh, she's born in Pennsylvania. Her father is involved in what looks like a, 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 a good thing, which was an oil boom in Pennsylvania. Uh, but then John Rockefeller and the, um, uh, the National uh, the Standard Oil Company come in and monopolize uh, how oil is being transported by collusion with railroads, and puts so many people out of business. Well, years later, uh, she be, uh, grows up, becomes a, a very well-established writer. She begins to go and look at this and systematically looking at records and interviews. Um, this is not something that had been really done until she comes along and establishes what we know as really investigative journalism based on facts. Mm -hmm. um, when she publishes her book, uh, uh, about this, uh, the history of the Standard Oil Company, um, it and it was a, published as a series of articles. This galvanizes people. They break up Standard Oil Company, this giant monopoly, and uh, it leads to a whole new wave of reporting that we looked as fact-based as so important for us when we're going to elections. We want to know the facts, who's doing what, when, where, why, how. And that is how history matters, and journalism as well. It is. Thank Scott you. Washington, thank you so much.